Okay, a good chedesh. Good morning. Mm. Being that today is Rosh Chedesh Kislev, um, so I thought appropriate to talk about that, and then uh, next week we'll continue with the Chedesh Talshel series. So the question I'm asked all the time about, about many things, but including Rosh Kislev is, why is it relevant to us today? Why should we care? You know, something happened, Tavshin Lamet Ches. What would that be? We're talking about 45 years ago, right? And even then, when it happened, so it was a big simcha, the Rebbe came back to his health after the heart attack. Ashmini had said his night and went home that day. Okay, so then that year, obviously it's a simcha. But what do we have to remember the next year? The next year, it became like a, a whole yomtif. And especially now, someone wrote to me, I was born after Gimel Tammuz. I don't remember it. Why, what, uh, like, what significance does it have? Now, Yutas Kisle, for example, you say, the Altareb was in prison, and the deeper reason for that, because there was a snagdus, there was a kitrug, a challenge in heaven against his approach of being Megala, revealing and teaching Siddhis to everybody. So Yutas Kisle was a vindication that the Alter Rebbe's approach was right, and the Baal and the Magid agreed, told him he should continue, and even more so, and that became like the Rosh Hashanah of Chassidus, Yifutzim the main Yifutzim Anasecha began that. So in the Chanami, it started with a negative, an arrest, but the arrest signified something deeper. So can we say the same thing with Rosh Chedesh Kislev? The truth is many Yom Tevim, Apiteda, both both Daraisa and Rabbonon, the Divrei Sofrim, also all were like that. Pesach began with a Golis, and as you see, it's Mitzrayim. Same thing as Purim Mechanika. So the mere fact that something was a negative is not enough reason not to make a Yondav. It depends what happens afterwards. In other words, it's not the fact just that we're saved, the question is, is the beginning of a, some new tkufa. So it seemed to imply that if Rosh Kislev is indeed celebrated, it's not just remembering, you know, like you may remember your grandfather came out of prison a certain day, so your family remembers it as, a, as like a commemorative thing, but it doesn't necessarily have a, some ruchnizdik significance. It's a personal hatzala. Uh, so, that's what I want to address a little more 
in depth. So the story everybody knows, or if not, I'll, I'll tell it. I'm a living witness, I was here. I was a bocher of 21 years old, so I was at my prime time in 770. I was uh, then already a chazer and a maniach. So I was like in the center of uh, the hub of activity. And I remember it just like it is today. You know, that first of all, Shemini had said this night by Thorakofa when the Rebbe, they were singing Chayoli Adenenu. I don't know if anybody knows that, but that was, one of the, that was the first time they sang it in front of the Rebbe. And uh, the Rebbe was, uh, lead, he was clapping along, as he did by all the hakafas. And then suddenly, within a few minutes, maybe even less, within the nigan, you could see the Rebbe's, uh, that was our close-up. Remember, 77 is big, but I stood very close. You could see the Rebbe's hands starting to slow down. Uncharacteristic, because the Rebbe B'derach Klal was very intense and very powerful. And here slowed down to the point of almost like barely patch. And uh, the Rebbe's face turned mamish white like a sheet, which was also very um, obvious for those, again, that were close. And it was clearly that something was happening. So in the beginning, you know, um, nobody wanted to go over to the Rebbe. These things, Bichlal, if you remember, the Rebbe was like a, a Nitzchi, Leish uh, Anisi, Leish Beisu, and uh, he never saw any shift or change in anything. You know, it's not like the Rebbe had a cold or had some other s- issue. The Rebbe was like a my name is Gaber that never sees. Every Fabringen was, if it was a Fabringen 130, it was 130. You know, it rained in the sukkah, it was a Fabringen. I mean, there was no seizing anything just because it was just uncomfortable. So all this was like a, something that nobody ever saw, at least not uh, the Chassidim. And um, then I'm not going to all the details already. The Shimas have written it up and just pointing out just what happened. The general points. So then uh, Rabbi Groner went over to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe, the Rebbe basically pushed everyone aside as if like it's nothing. But it was clearly not nothing. The Rebbe was, I guess, uh, making an attempt. I do remember that um, before that and after that, the Rebbe was massaging his heart very intensely, that I saw. Not everybody saw it because the Rebbe did it in a very discreet way, but he was like turning here like this. I could see his hand under the capota very intensely, which also was not something you ever saw. But, you know, we didn't know put two and two together, didn't know exactly what's happening, obviously. Now, finally, a doctor went over and the Rebbe said he was tired. The Rebbe first did not want to sit down. Then I remember them starting to bring water. You know, water, all these pitchers, these quartz, a purple one, a green one, a yellow one, was being passed toward the Rebbe. The Rebbe didn't touch anything, firstly, Still, still eating in a sukkah then. And, uh, and then the windows, luft. Remember the Rebbe's corner, which is Dremis, uh, uh, what is it? Mizdach uh, Dremit, uh, the southeast corner, no windows there. Uh, the doors are all on the other side of 770. So they started breaking the windows, luft, luft. And that's when they started saying everybody should leave the shul. The shul started emptying out. I was all the way in the front, so um, I didn't really leave until the Rebbe left. And then it was clear, as I said, it was getting 
was very obvious that Rebbe was not going to continue. And then the Rebbe walked very slowly down. We all know he walked through 770. He made one turn and then went out up to his room. I followed um, and I went upstairs. I saw the Rebbe go into his room, closed the door. Um, just to give you my personal memory, I remember that Chana um, Gerari, the Rashag's wife, the Rebbe's sister-in-law, came downstairs. She knocked on the door. She called the Rebbe's name and the Rebbe, the Rebbe's second name. And the Rebbe answered, opened the door. And he, he calmed her down. He said that, I think he said that wasn't a, he didn't sleep. Asuka says, fatigue, he's tired. I think that was what he said. I didn't hear it. I just heard right afterwards. And she went back. Then a little while later, the Rebbetson came. She went to the sukkah, the sukkah outside of Samasavi, the Rebbe sukkah. The Rebbe went out, made Kiddush. And then the Rebbe came back to his room, the Rebbetson and, and others. And then, you know, doctors started coming. That's when they locked up Summer 70 and we were all whisked outside. But it was all a matter of a lot of confusion because no one, there was no like official statement or no one that ever didn't tell anyone even what's going on. So everybody didn't know what's happening. You know, is it just a, a minor thing? Is it major? Uh, the kids uh, that night, you know, some people went home, some people stayed, some went to the oil. You know, the, the thrillers began and then all kinds of poor doctors kept coming. Many doctors left. They didn't want to stay if the Rebbe was not going to go to the hospital. Um, the Rebbe insisted very clearly that he's not leaving here. <clears throat> Until they finally, at some point, found doctors that would stay. I mean, you have, uh, I don't remember all the names of the, doc the first doctors, but ultimately, a, a, uh, a team of doctors did build, essentially, a hospital room out of the Rebbe's room. They brought all the proper equipment. The problem was the doctor said, you know, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the protocol, you know, in a room, you know, you're dealing with, uh, at that point, some already knew it was a heart attack. Um, I think maybe a doctor said it, but you know, not, and we also didn't know the extent. You know, now we know back, going back, it didn't get better that night, later, four, five o'clock in the morning, um, we never had a severe heart attack, even more than what happened at uh, our coffers which is often what they're concerned about because there's a small heart attack, it can lead to another one, and you want to really prevent that. They call the second one a, a killer heart attack. Dr. Weiss says from one to 10, it was a 10. It was the worst heart attack he ever saw in an actual patient. So we're talking about very serious uh, issues here. That was when they, the Rebbe was uh, not conscious, if you could say those words, kaviochel, and uh, they had to make a decision and they called the Rabbonim, and uh, the Rabbonim said, Even though the Rebbe said he doesn't want to leave, nobody wanted to take the Achrayis, because the doctors were all saying, this is dangerous now, We're talking about life-threatening. But that's when the Rebbetzin came, I think the Rashag was also there, I remember all the details. The Rebbetzin then said that, um, no, uh, her husband's will is his health, and if he wakes up and he's not in a place where he wants to be, that's going to be dangerous to his health. So bottom line, she, of course, is the wife. And that's what happened. And the Rebbe remained. And the rest is history. What I mean by that is, Baruch Hashem, things got better, even though it could have gotten really bad. As Dr. Weiss testifies that, generally speaking, heart attacks, you can't heal from a heart attack because it damages the heart muscle. The Rebbe asked him that question, actually. I don't want to go through all the details. I want to talk more of the relevance. But it's important to know what exactly happened. 
And um, so then, of course, we all know, which was the biggest shock of all, in a way, was there was no fabrengen that night, Simchas before Akofis, was the night after the heart attack, even though it was hard to imagine that Rebbe would not be by the fabrengen. Because as I said before, everything was always timid and kesidran, you never saw any shifts. But there was no fabrengen. And the seat of the Rebbe was there. Everyone gathered. The Rebbe gave a message to Rabbi Kroner. And, uh, and then Rabbi El explained it a bit. Basically, the message was that uh, that when the seat is empty, it reminds you of the person. In other words, the heder, the, the, the helam, is only a step toward the deeper gili. The example with the needle, we all know the vacuum of the needle as the Rebbe, as the doctors, what draws the blood, the vacuum or the needle? It's the vacuum, not the needle itself. In other words, the space, the emptiness, is what has the power to draw. That was the teichen that the Helen brings to deeper gili. And Rabbi um, explained, Shimtsa B'Shvila Gili, The Rebbe had said also then that Simch is for him a refua. They should sing, shouldn't stop anything, hakofis. So you could imagine it was a, a mixture of tears and joy. People were singing extremely loud because they wanted to make sure the Rebbe hears it in the room. And it was a, it was a, a very labdikasimchasteira with all the mixed feelings, as I said. I remember that night before Kofis, we go on the Talucha. So I went to one of the shuls in East Flabush. The word had gotten out, everybody knew. How they knew, I'm not sure, but everybody knew about it. So everybody in the shuls were asking that it was matzav, etc. So we didn't know the details, but this was what was happening. Then the next night, the news came that the Rebbe was going to speak right after Havdola, right after Mairav and Havdola. You can imagine 770 was packed. And it was, uh, it's hard to describe the, the emotions, because here the Rebbe is speaking, but not, you don't see him. So, you know, right after, and everybody gathered, and the Rebbe spoke. It's all I'm recording today. You can hear the Rebbe's voice is lower than usual. But uh, as soon as the Rebbe opened up and said, I'm a Pnei Sibis, and you could even hear the Rebbe also, you could feel the emotion in his, in his tone. The whole place burst out crying, you know, because everyone, you know, the Rebbe was acknowledging it. But then the Rebbe went on to speak about Achdus and how, again, we have to use this opportunity. And the Rebbe was given five minutes, I think he ended up speaking 18 minutes. There was a Maimir also interwoven right after. Uh, again, from things I knew, what were going on right after the sicha, um, the Rebbe gave notice to us that he wants to, we should prepare it. He wants to be magiyat. So we worked all night. I remember I sat with Rabbi El. He you know, helped him, and he, he did the main writing. And then in the morning, the sicha was ready for the Rebbe. I don't remember exactly what time, but we we did it. A maimer and a sicha. I mean, it was clear it was a maimer, even though the Rebbe spoke about it in the signal of the sicha, kein sicha, but. And um, the Rebbe was Magiyat, I think on the same day or the next day, I don't remember, and with a pen. Usually the Rebbe was Magiyat with a pencil, this was with a pen. No, not sure why, maybe because it was easier to write. Um, I remember the Rebbe was weak. He was weak, but he didn't. You could see the Hagos are, are, are not as... Strong as usual, meaning the writing is, is with a pen. You can see he was not like squeezing it all the way. But, um, but it's a deep sikha, a lot of Haskola and Chsidis. And the Rebbe added, I remember the Ha'ara, Hu Hamaskil, Hu Hamuskil from Tanya. I remember it was uh, quite interesting. 
This is Mamisha, we're talking about a day, two days after the heart attack. So it was very clear that the Rebbe was not going to succumb or give in to this and say, okay, now, you know. So whatever the doctor said, he, he listened, but it was all uh, the minimum. And the Rebbe, of course, was a fighter. And he fought, and the weeks passed on. Every Mitzray Shabbos was a sikha, the Rebbe was Magia. Mitzray Shabbos Bereshis, Mitzray Shabbos Neach, Lech Lecha, Vayera, Chaisara. And after Mitzray Shabbos Chaisara was the last one, the Rebbe was Magia, which was already going toward Kislev. And then came the news that the Rebbe is going to go home. So uh, we already knew there were minyanim in the Rebbe's room. You know, I'm, not going to go, I'm not going through all the details. The bottom line is, as, as, a, as a living witness that was there, I saw with my own eyes, Mamish Achayshech, and then a tremendous Eir. So you could imagine, it was Thursday, I believe, Rishchidosh Kislev that year, that when the Rebbe went home, that night was such a, what should I say? It was uh, even more than Simchas Teda. It was uh, really something else. I don't think by Shabbos anybody was sober, really. Uh, those that were probably, I mean, you have to know if anybody remembers. Because, uh, <laughs> but um, it was something else. Now, it was obvious why. So, you know, the Rebbe here was Ramesh. By then, everyone knew it was Ramesh Sarkhanis Nefoshis. And here, the Rebbe went home. And not only went home, but things got stronger and stronger. I remember the first Fabrengen downstairs, back in 770, Yutas Kislev. Um, when the Rebbe came down, it was like a, a hush. You know, you felt, you felt uh, this like relief or uh, unbelievable. It was a shorter Fabrengen than usual, but nevertheless, the Rebbe Fabrengen. Uh, at that point, 770 began a new matzav. This is something you never heard of probably. <laughs> it was no more pushing. You know, usually everything is Amisami, everyone's pushing. You know, Yutas Kislev, everyone's still in their place. The next year, Rosh Hashanah, that's for the record. Lamites, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkis, there was no pushing. It was the only time in 770 just stood. It was very surreal because Kav Yochel, you don't want to create the heat and sweat and then, you know, that ever should be able to breathe easily. I don't know if it's Eidgehalten or not, but bottom line, that's what happened that year. Mamish, no pushing. There were no bleachers built. Simchas everyone stood on the floor. I remember by, by, by Tkiyas, it was lacking that, uh, I mean, the Rebbe Blutkiyas and everything, but it was, <laughs> it's the only time ever. By Tav Shemem already, it went back to normal. <laughs> but uh, I remember even the bracha for the bachim, Erevim Kippur, which was Pasha Begashmi, everyone packing like sardines into the upstairs shul. Here, you know, didn't want to create a situation. I remember uh, Rabbi Groner said, look, you can't, but Rebbe's going to go into a room that Mamish has no oxygen. Uh, again, no one knew that that's going to do anything, but nobody wanted to take any risk. So they had to then, he said, let's make the, the brachel be downstairs in 770. The Bochum went to war against that, all of us. Because well, this was the only yechidus we have with the Rebbe. Well, we're going to go into 770 with the Grobe Balabatim, etc., etc. No, no, with all respect to you today. Um, you know, the Bochum were always felt superior. So... So we came back, I remember we had Asifas upon Asifas. <laughs> Finally we came, that's when we came up with the idea that the 23-year-olds would go into the first room, the 22-year-olds in the second room. <laughs> if you're a chassan, you go in the first room, and everybody else out in the sukkah. And that, that stays till today, that was the seder. And it was not so simple, because how do you enforce it? Someone says, I am about to turn 23, you know. So we didn't have, it wasn't, but pretty much people respected it. And it worked. The first, the seven, seven, the, the, the with the Rebbe walked in 
was again no pushing and so on. That was the, the sentiment, the feeling. You know, I wanted to give that up. As I said, things changed after a while, as the Rebbe himself demonstrated that he would want the things back to normal, so to speak. So the Fabrengans continued Moitzoy Shabbos, but you could see that Rebbe was preferred it to be on Shabbos. Whenever it was possible, I remember, I think it was Erev Shavuos or Shabbos. So it can be a Fabreng Moitzoy Shabbos, because it's Yom Tif. So the Rebbe Fabreng Shabbos on Midbar, Lamaches, that I don't remember for sure, but the Rebbe Fabreng on Shabbos, Yom Tif he Fabreng during Yom Tif, not Moitzoy Yom Tif. So it was clear that Rebbe was, by Tavshin Mem, I think the last Mitzvah Shabbos Fabrengen was Mitzvah Shabbos Shmois Tavshin Mem. After that, Va'era, yeah, I think Shmois Tavshin Mem. After that, the Rebbe went back to Shabbosim. I actually began the official Maniach that year, so I remember it. But bottom line is, so Shchedesh Kislev represented that shift, you know, Pia when you that's when you bench Gemel. Um, I don't remember if the Rebbe bench Gemel or Shchedesh Kislev. Maybe you have to wait later. I don't remember that. I don't remember. I don't know. You ever saw anything about that? There's something. It's written up. I, I'm trying to remember the details. I don't remember that. But Kaponim, what I do want to share next step point was what happened to Zeish Hanukkah. So Shchedesh Kislev, the Rebbe went home. Obviously, he came back to 770. Yutas Kislev was the Fabrengen. And the Rebbe started Fabrengen, as I said, Mitzray Shabbos. Not every week, but uh, that was when he forbringed, where he forbringed Shabbos, he forbringed Mitzray Shabbos. And the reason for that was simply to less exertion, he used a microphone. So there wasn't a need for, um, you know, the Rebbe spoke on Shabbos, he exerted himself more. Anyway, <clears throat> came Zeish Hanukkah, so this story also is known, but I think it's very important because it helps us understand, I think, the deeper effects here. Because as I said before with Yutas Kislev, a Rebbe is not just a private citizen. You know, he's an Hashem Klolis, sent by the Eibishter. And uh, everything that happens with him is, uh, is also Lamaila and Lamata on all levels. So what was the need for all of this? Okay, what's the purpose of it all? And stand that uh, an older man can have a heart attack. The Rebbe was, uh, what was he, 676? But that, what we understand, there's deeper things going on here. So indeed, Rabbi Avram Hech, wrote to the Rebbe, I think a few days before Hanukkah maybe, or maybe even on Zeis I'm not sure when it was. He wrote to the Rebbe, what, we, what do we need all of this for? It's all Agmas Nefesh, now the Rebbe's getting better, what was the point of it all? And the Rebbe wrote back to him one line, um, That's what the Rebbe wrote. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but you have to check out Agdomas Azeir, which is very... Uh, it's quite mind-blowing, actually. I'll share with you in a moment more about that. So, Mitzrayi's Hanukkah, the Rebbe called Yankelhecht. J.J., it was known as J.J., Rabbi Yankelhecht. Chashoi, secret, that he wants him to go by Mashke, by Chala, and uh, etc. There's going to be a Fabrengen tonight, which is to be Mashlim, the Fabreng that wasn't on Simchas Since Hanukkah is, connects, is corresponds to Sukkot, the eight days of Hanukkah, corresponds to the eight days of Sukkot and Shemini Atzeres. So this was like a so-called Amashlama. So he's going to wash the Rebbe, he's going to wash the Asudas for Asuda, as he would wash Yom Tif, and he's going to give out Kaisal Baruch. So a Chidosh, didn't generally do that. Secret. So Yankel Hecht asked the Rebbe, 
can he tell one person? <laughs> so the Rebbe said, whom? He's my brother. Now we understand, you know, I think called Chavre Chavre I'm sure the Rebbe understood well. So the Rebbe said, yeah. Um, well, so every one person told another one person, and uh, everybody knew. <laughs> well, I don't know if everybody knew, but a lot of people knew. And why the Rebbe would do this in a secret way, there's going to be a fabreng, it's a mil But that's how the Rebbe wanted it. You know, some say because the deeper hamshachas come through Helen, through Seid, or whatever. Chesodim, Nostodim. Bepeil was fabrengin, and it was very clear that it was mamish like a hashlama, and the Rebbe washed, and the whole trask with Keshul Bracha. So it was that day probably, maybe maybe when Avram Hecht heard that, Avram Hecht heard that, he wrote that note, or maybe, I'm not sure about that. So what does it say in Agdom Sazeya? So it's a long story there. There's a lot of details. But the punchline, the truth is there's disagreements exactly what is the punchline, because the Rebbe doesn't say which part of Agdom Sazeya. But the story essentially is that Abchia, was up Lamaila in the Hechel of Rajbi, talking Divrei Teireh, and he said something, and uh, um, the Rajbi said, the Rajbi, uh, um, and then they went over to the Hechel Mashiach, oh, I forgot that, and Mashiach heard this Kiddush, he said, wow, this is Hechel Nesham, and basically said, he should stay here with us, I think the Rajbi said, no, he still has a shlichus down below, so we should send him back. And he'll, his shlichus down below is to help prepare the world for Mashiach. I'm just being giving it the kisses, all arichas there, back and forth, back and forth. So that seems to be what the Rebbe was referring to, that there was something, Lamaila, that was calling the Rebbe back. And Bapayal Mamish, the Rebbe was giving, so to speak, a second chance, if you wish, or I don't know if that's the right word to use. Our kapon de is still not finished. And that's why, that's what he's writes, the Rebbe writes. So you see, just from that alone, that this Rashkejish Kislev is a lot more, and the whole Pasha and Rashkejish Kislev is more than just the Rebbe going home after a heart attack and healing. And indeed, this is not just a, a, a Ruchnizdika thing. Again, I can testify to this. The Rebbe's Pu'ulis, after the Shredish Kislev, not that day, but the years that followed, literally doubled. Pasha Begashmis. I'll just give you an example in the Sichas. A Fabrengen then, average, before Lamed Ches, was 130, 430, max. With a few exceptions. After Tavshimem, when the Rebbe started Fabrengen Shabbos again regularly, Fabrengen, average 530, ended sometimes six. It was rarely a fabrengen until 4.30. So push the length of fabrengens became. And just look, look if you look at the Sichas Kedish, you look Hanochis, Tillama Test, two volumes, three volumes. You get start going to Mem, and Memalaf, four volumes. And there were, Tavsha Memalaf is less man the poly, the Rebbe started fabreng every week. It was Shnas Hakel. So the Rebbe started speaking every night, Sukkis. The bottom line is that Poshet Begashmish, you could see the Yisun Er Menachesheh, the Kaflaim Letishia, that whatever the Rebbe did, whether it's called doubled, in Kamus, Neichus for sure, and also the type of Fabrengans, especially in Mem and Memalaf, some of the deepest Fabrengans that you'll ever hear. 
So it was very clear that the Rebbe was not sufficing with just going back to business as usual, so to speak, that there was going to be real shinuim and real changes. And Lamal Yusuf. And we're talking about the Pushba Gashmi, the Rebbe was not younger in Tavshim Mem, Aleph, and Mem and so on. So it was a clearly that the Rebbe was taking the whole thing as being a simon that he has to double and triple and intensify his pu'ulis. That was also the Kufa when the Rebbe started talking big about Shev Mitzvah's Breineach, Kibush Elam. You know, the Rebbe's Bechlal scope widened. When I say widened, it was always wide, but I mean to say that Begoli, the Rebbe started speaking much more than just about reaching every Id. It was you know, hundreds of pages, hours, hundreds of hours of Sichas on Shev Mitzvah's Breineach. And of course, that led to the end of the Mems, and that have been intensified about Mashiach and Geula. So, Lamed Ches was not just a, a blip on the screen, it was a, a real watershed moment. You can say that it was changed the Tkufa from, so to speak, the Rebbe's first level of reaching out through Batei Chabad, Shluchim, Miftzayim, which was the main focus till Lamed Ches, and started going to much broader. Uh, on a Welt level, on a world level. Of course, we know Kinesh HaShluchim and the Kinesh HaShluchim Meilami, that all in the Mems. In addition to the Mifzah Sefer Teira, the Mifzah Tzivis Hashem began. I mean, uh, all the different things, and only accelerating to the Sikhs that we know in the later Mems, uh, whether Purim Mem Zayin or Chav Ches Nisan, and of course that whole that we're now, the Bedurim are finished. So, Lamed Ches was a, that shift started, you can say, then. Um, I may have shared this, or maybe I haven't. In the famous Sikha, Chayesara Nun Beis, Toshin Nun Beis, the Rebbe actually hints to it, more than hints to it. So Chayesara Toshin Nun Beis would be the last Sikha, Le'esata, the Rebbe spoke to Shluchim, the opening of the Kinnus HaShluchim in Nun Beis. So the famous Sikha, where the Ovedis HaShluchim is geendikt, now we have Efren De'egen, Kabbalah's Prime Mashiach, the whole sikh about Ma'alban, the Vedas Ashlichas. And there, and the Kuntras was called then, because the Rebbe spoke on the, was, uh, the Rebbe spoke on the Rashi, Shlachno Biatishlach. Which is when Moshe was told by Hashem to, to save the Eden, to take the Eden out of Mitzrayim, he said, Shlachno Biatishlach, which refers to Mashiach. So we called it, we, we suggested that name for the Kuntras, the Rebbe Masmaskim. In the Sikha, when the Rebbe's Magiyat, he wrote B'yad Tishlach, the Rebbe wrote B'yud Dalet Shonam B'Tishlach. Nun Beis is 14 years from Tav Shalom So the Rebbe was the first time we saw Mamre's the Rebbe referring to, to Tav Shalom Etches. B'yad Yud Dalet from Tishlach. Then, when I noticed that, I realized that um, 14 years before Lam was Chavdalot, Tavshel Chavdalot. This was more quiet, but the Rebbe had a, a minor heart attack there. So some knew, but most people didn't know. It wasn't as like Lamed Ches, that's why the Rebbe was, was kept more or less undercover, but, but, but people knew, Chavdalot. So basically, Tavshin Yud to Chavdalot is 14 years, Chavdalot to Lamed Ches is 14 years, Lamed Ches to Nun Beis, and Nun Beis we know later was the stroke is 14 years. So, I'm not going to go to learn Pshat Lach Yikov about it, if you have any Rosh Chedesh Kislev about this. What it means, is it the Dalad Yodes, Yad, Chassidus talks about, is it other meanings? 
you know, I tried to go back before Tavshin Yud to see 14 years before Tavshin Yud, we'd be Tzadik uh, Vov. Yeah, but I don't know, I didn't find anything that seemed to stand out like that. But something about it, but here the Rebbe clearly was Maram Zbiyat Tishlach, Yudalit from Tishlach. So it was clear that the Rebbe was emphasizing that whatever happened to Tishlach, now 14 years later, ready for the goal for Mashiach. Simply, if you mix that, if you bring that together with the Zohar, that the Rebbe Tzeichen, Agdomet Tzeichen, that the Rebbe Tzeichen to Rebbe Hecht, uh, you see a somewhat of a pattern here. And of course, then it's not uh, such a pella, because then it is like Yutas Kislev in a way, because um, it is a helem on the Rebbe, Achsidis, and whatever would have happened, Achman al-Tzlan, and we come out of that and only became stronger. Like the Zohar says, that he has, to, he has a shlichus to finish, to bring Mashiach in Gula. I'm not getting into what happened after Nun Beis, and Gimel Tammuz, that's another, that will bring about another day. But taking all of that and into account, then when I think about Ishchidosh Kislev, then it's not just Tama day. The Rebbe also chose that day, as we know. The Rebbe, I think, even mentioned it's the Ishchidosh Agula. So we know that Ishchidosh Kislev is the month of, uh, of course, of the month, besides Hanukkah, the end of the month, which is also Agula, Cheshach Ta'ir. Um, we also have Yud Kislev, and before that, Yud Tes and Yud Kislev, and Yud Alad Kislev, the Rebbe's anniversary. So the Rebbe chose that day. So that day can be seen as the day when you start seeing what's called the Gilui after the Helam. And in that sense, is Befedish relevant today, because we also have a Helam today. We have maybe even a deeper Helam, the Gimel Tammuz, the Gimel Tammuz. But we also have Magdim Rafula Maka. You also have the, the antidote, the response, that by the Rebbe there was no such thing as a helam la'atzmeich b'chalal achsidus, the concept of tzimtzum is hepecha kavon, hepecha rotzen, it's always tzimtzum b'shvila gili, which was the teichen of what the Rebbe gave over then, that simchas teir alamatches. I also try to figure out afternoon base, what's the next 14, next 14, next 14, I don't know if I got very far, because I don't know, you know how to interpret things, I don't know where we are right now. How many? 14, 14. 14 from Nun Beis would be Samach uh, Vav. Corona. Corona, okay. Samach Vav. And then uh, I involve uh, Pei. Yeah, right, Corona. Okay, so we're now in uh, three years into the next. Yeah, I, again, I, these things, is, uh, who knows? We can't know if we can interpret it. I just know what, we, what the facts that the Rebbe wrote Biyat Tishla, that I can tell you for sure. And you look in the Sikha, the end of the Sikha, you could see Biyat Tishla, Biyad Metishlach or something like that. I don't remember the exact Loshan. Um, but everything is Negei Lepeil. So as someone, I, I lived through it. All of you were born afterwards, I'm assuming, right? You too? Good. To Zikni Hanashi. But uh, the, point, the point is that there's, there's, you have to say there's a lesson or else we're not just, as I said, we're not just remembering events from, from, from 45 years ago. It's also a tkuf of 45, but uh, the lesson, I think, is extremely clear. It's firstly that there's no such thing as a helm, just a helm. Everything is meant to be a catalyst to catapult us and propel us to higher levels. We see Pasha the Rebbe is a dugma chaya, Pasha begashmis, the sort. It was amazing to see. You know, I don't know what keiches the Rebbe had 
I mean, I know the Rebbe had deep keiches. I don't know what kind of keiches it took for the Rebbe to exert himself that way, but he did, and it was pretty seamless. No one felt it was like the Rebbe pressuring himself. That's why I said everything went back to normal. The pushing went back. All that thing about luft and then oxygen never came up again. And the Rebbe was going as stronger as ever. So at Pusher the lesson is that, you know, most people at age 76 have a heart attack. You know, they, uh, they start slowing down. And here was the exact opposite. I'll share a story with my father. Uh, I actually heard it from my brother-in-law a few uh, months ago. I never knew this story before. So, as you also know, things change, but not necessarily because of health. It changed because the alum was so big. So Yechidison came Yechidus Klolis, and the giving out of matzah, or lekach, ones that Rebbe would give every, to everyone. So later in Memvov, the Rebbe started dollars, which was where everybody could go over. But there was a tkufa that there was no more that individual um, going over to the Rebbe. I mean, it was, but the Tankistan by Fabregen, the Rebbe would give dollars. But um, so Erev Pesach, the Rebbe would give, in those years, the Mems, the Rebbe would give the matzah to the Kaliungalite. And they would, the Rebbe would give each one a pekel or a few peklach, and they would give it out to the Elam. I remember in 770, they would set up upstairs, on, up there on the bimah, and everyone would go by to get matzah. So they were the shluchim. There were a few yechidim that did, did get matzah straight from the Rebbe. One of them was my father. He had the schus. So they would always give him, I believe, two matzahs on the first night, two matzahs for the second night, one matzah for him, one matzah for the algamin. And uh, now my father had a mini stroke himself. And I think Mem Memvov maybe. Or, what year was it? Memvov? Mem, no, no, not Memvov. Maybe Memdala. So my father went by the Rebbe for matzah, and behind him was my brother-in-law, Bell Gansburg, Montreal. He was a man that year. And uh, the Rebbe looks at my father. My father was uh, somewhat weak and down. You know, he was uh, a little more shcheder from his illness. And, uh, and he tells the, the Rebbe, says, Abbasis, Kashimber, I think he said, you know, what's, uh, what's the matter? He says, uh, he tells the Rebbe, I can't do anything. He didn't have keiches. You know, these things, strokes, they, are very, they can be very debilitating. Besides also on the matzah of Ruach, and he says, the Rebbe put down the matzah and picked up his hands. He says, Ibn Elter Fadir, when ich tu alts, that's what the Rebbe said, like that. Ich tu alts. My mama shared the story just recently. I never knew it before. From straight, he said he heard the Rebbe say it to my father. So here you have, I'm elter you know, I'm older than you, and I do everything. Um, so, and as I said, we saw it. So I think that's a lesson. You know, I talk to people, people in their 20s and their 30s, and they tell me they're already going through a middle, midlife crisis. And this one is already schwach, you know, he's not as strong as he used to be, etc. Talking about 20, 30 year olds. I hope none of you feel that way. You know, already aging and retiring. Um, there's a guy that just finished yeshiva, he's a bach, he tells me he wants to retire. You know, I said, okay, fine. I said, what are you going to do? You know, go to, move to Miami and play golf and then, and then what? And go to the beach. Um, so, uh, even on a, a push at a Baal Batasha level, you learn from the Rebbe, there's no such thing. Adam Lo'am Liyavolet, we're sent on a shlichus, and that alone, you're a soldier in an army. No such thing as uh, slowing down. 
Adarabe. If there's any setback, it's meant to bring greater keiches. So that's on a very basic level the lesson from Rishchidosh uh, Kislev. On a more global level, it clearly is part of the narrative, the story. But it won't always, we'll never understand Hashem's mysterious ways, as the Rebbe said a number of times in Fabreng, in Loma Osa Hashem Kocha. He can't bring the Aliyah without the Yerida. We have to have a Helam in order to have a deeper Gili. The Rebbe says, Kol Yochel. He could have figured out a way. And the Rebbe always would say, we don't have an answer for that question. That's already the mysteries of Le God's deeper plan. But we do know that every Helam has to bring a bigger, a bigger Gili. So, if you look at the Tkufas, the mere fact that 14 years, 14 years, and Mamish Tims, Nun Beis, Lamet Ches, you can't deny that, that it's a story, not just the, the negative side, that here was a heart attack and here's a stroke, but the other half of it. That's why we were so convinced in Nun Beis that for sure going to end, like Lamet Ches, that the devil will come back and everything will be perfect and greater than ever and we'll uh, march into the Gula. Um, it didn't happen yet. So there, we have to understand why. Maybe we'll never know why. The Rebbe did say, however, So now we do know we were given a job. So when I think about Rishchidosh Kisla personally, I think of it more like it's a wake-up call. We didn't finish the job. You know, then the Rebbe did it, and he was able to get through and built stronger than ever everything that happened after Shmiyatzes uh, and then Rishchidosh Kisla Lamet Ches. But now the Rebbe did say something that is uh, the same Rebbe. Divrei Tzadik in Kayom La'ad. He said, Purim Amzayin, Pariches, Lufiyarech, and then again, Chav Ches Nissen. That's the Iri Yang from Hanosi Takel. Whether we like it or not, it makes, is not, is irrelevant. Of course, we prefer the other way around, the Rebbe do it. But he did say that. So, you know, people talk and talk. And, uh, you know, Chaz Vashalom, some people question the Rebbe, question the Rebbe's Kavonis. Was the Rebbe, did the Rebbe's Ratzon really fulfilled? I see it the other way around. I remember many times the Rebbe saying in a Fabrengen that Tehidus Emes for sure. If you don't understand it, it's not the problem with Tehidus, it's the problem with you. Imreku mikemhu. That's what it says in Yerushalmi. Imreku. If it's empty, mikem. It's from you. You know, it's easy to put it to say that it's, the, it's, the, it's someone else. You always have to look at yourself. The Rebbe's words are emes I mean, if the Rebbe is a Rebbe, that's what a Rebbe is. He's giving over what he heard from Lamaila. He's not saying his opinions or thoughts. He's saying what is the emes lamite. If we don't understand, it's archasar. The Rebbe said a number of times, why did the Gula not come if everything is finished, the birurim are finished? And he said, that's what the Rebbe said. I heard it many times. He didn't say we still have to do something. So if the Rebbe can have a kasha, we can also have a kasha. But that doesn't change the reality. If someone says, I have a kasha, kasha, and I'll get paralyzed and not do anything, that's a major problem. You can have kashas. You can you work hard. You know, soldiers can have questions, but they can't affect their, the battle. They can't affect their avayda. And I believe that from Rishchidosh Kislev, you take that message, that we have to find in ourselves keiches, and we definitely have them. The Rebbe gave it to us. Because remember, the Rebbe said that Gibbus Ibit and he chasid understands. Not that the Rebbe pulled out Chazrus Shalom. It means he's working through us, and for whatever reason, it has to go through us. It's always the Rebbe's keiches. I think the Rebbe once wrote to um, to Zalman Garari. He said he, he, wrote, he asked the Rebbe something. The Rebbe said to go to Etzas Yedidim Mevinim to go. It's from Yedidim friends that are Mevinim. 
So he wrote to the Rebbe, he wants the Rebbe's aid. He doesn't want Yedidim Avinim. So the Rebbe said, Vos ardir azichel emferin durich Yedidim Avinim. Why do you mind that I'm going to answer you through the Yedidim Avinim? So this is what we have to understand. It's obviously working, but it has to work through us. Is it more difficult? Yeah, because if the Rebbe did it, it would be a lot easier. We could, we could uh, you know, I'm not saying go to sleep, but we don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves. So for me, Rish Chayish Kislev is Befeder's pressure day. That now you have to do something. And the fact that the 28 years since Gimel Tamas should not perturb in the sense say, you know, if 28 years pass, what's going to happen now? You know what? Um, what do they say? Insanity is saying that... Uh, you, you do the same thing and you expect different results. You have to do something different. And that's where we have to, I think, have cheshbon nefesh on a day like this, look inside our soul search and look a little, what, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing different? And I say different, the Rebbe said, derech yeshara. I'm not talking about different, there's no chaz v'shalom, new drachim. But there's echus and there's more intensity and more urgency, I'm reaching more yidin, reaching gosananid, yeah, we have to always look every day how we could do the Rebbe every day to find something that was not done before. Because if you want something new, you have to do something new. I know some people say, well, we're doing everything right. The Rebbe never said that. The Rebbe said, do. Every day we say, Bechol Meidecha. Right? Bechol Meidecha, Lufiyerech now. It's not the same Bechol Meidecha like yesterday. And this is basic. Kol Yem Yibbe So everybody, in my opinion, this is what I think Rosh Chedish Kislev is. A wake-up call of what you do when there's a helm, and with the kavon annoying that has to bring a tremendously new gili, and it's connected to Mashiach and Gula, like the story in Zohar, Agdom of Zohar. And we should be Zeichem, maybe even Torim Yekrov Aniena, just the Meir Achlote, see them sitting together, and talking about it should already bring the Pe'el Mamish, the Gula Mitis Rashlema, and reunite with the Rebbe. Shchedish Kisav is a great time for that. So this should be the Aschalt of the Gula, and the Gula Mamish, with Mashiach said, Kenu, and it should be immediate. L'chaim. Everyone have a good Mechedish and a good Mechedish kiss, a good Yontif, and a whole month of Gula. Again, to the Gula, Amitiv, Rashleim.